0: Angry, 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 angry at arthritis. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Angry at Arthritis podcast. I'm Steve O'Keefe, and we're here to provide osteoarthritis patients with direct access to the leading science as we hunt for OA cures and perhaps most important, with access to hope and an opportunity to get involved in funding new research and clinical OA treatments. If you'd like to make a donation to help fund new innovative science and cures, please hit the donate button on our website, angryarthritis.org. Okay, my guest today is Dr. Martin Michaelis, and we're going to be talking about R399E which is one of three, I guess, one of five drugs that originally came out of Merck, not the Merck in the US, but Merck KGAA, which had a significant osteoarthritis portfolio before it decided to exit that line of business. There were three products that are particularly relevant today. One of them is, of course, Sprofermin, which went to trial. Spark Sprofermin is a Cartilage anabolic, it produces new cartilage. The second went to Novartis, and Novartis is the largest pharma company still in the osteoarthritis space. It has three drugs, including, of course, LNAO43, which is cartilage anabolic also. And the drug that went to Novartis from Merck KGAA was an inhibitor for degradation. So Novartis has a drug which produces cartilage, LNAO43 and this inhibitor for degradation, which came out of Merck, as well as a third drug in order to try to put together a full solution, and that's in clinical trials. And the third drug is R399E, which was originally developed by BioPharm and reverted back to BioPharm when Merck, KGAA, decided to exit the business. So with that background, Martin, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you here. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, Steve. Martin, could you tell us about R399E and what is the promise of this drug? So
1: we have at MAC, AJAA, characterized properties of R399E very carefully. Here are two very important points which come together and will be certainly helpful for patients with osteoarthritis. The first point is using material from patients we could demonstrate that R399E is able to reduce enzymes which contribute to the degradation of cartilage in cause of osteoarthritis. At the same time, we could demonstrate that R399E can increase the growth of cartilage by increasing, for example, the number of cells in cartilage. And thirdly, and this was very surprising to us at the beginning, R399E is able to reduce the release Of pain messengers and inflammatory mediators in the knee. And this is certainly important uh, for patients because it contributes to the ability of R399E to reduce pain. So, in other words, R399E has the promise for patients, first, to reduce pain with a very quick onset within hours after the first injection of R399E into knee joints. And secondly, On the long-term run, R399E holds the promise to
0: at least slow down the progression of osteoarthritis. So it has three benefits, if you will. The first one is reducing pain. Very, very important. And then it has two secondary attributes, which sum together would be to help rehabilitate the joint in order to reduce the degradation, the deconstruction of cartilage in the joint, and potentially to help growth of new cartilage. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. R399E has been tested initially in knees. Could it potentially work in other joints?
1: This is absolutely a fair assumption. Cartilage and other tissues which are found in knee joints are the same tissues which can be found in, for example, hip or other articulating joints. So in other words, it's a fair assumption to say that R399E could work in all joints where injections can be conducted. These are larger joints, but those can be treated probably with R399E.
0: So today, as far as R399E goes, and I'd like to get into more of the history, where the drug came from, et cetera, and, and the path from here going on and where you are from a development standpoint. But today, the drug has been tested in animals, but it has not been tested in vivo in people. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, yeah. It has been very carefully tested in animals. So we have efficacy data in two different species. And also, in addition, safety and toxicology studies in vivo have been conducted, which are mandatory for the start of clinical development. All this uh, is concluded and the data are available and look very
0: promising. So let's talk about where are 399E Came from because I know that our listeners are interested in learning the development of the drug. And I think maybe just drilling down more on what it can actually do. If you could help us there, Martin.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is in the molecule, which can be found in, in all of us, a growth factor, which is called GDF5. It stands for growth and differentiation factor five. This factor has been tested a long time ago as a potential treatment option for osteoarthritis. But unfortunately, in animals, it not only grew cartilage but also bone. And so, the idea a colleague of mine came up with was if we modify or someone else modifies the GDF5 in a way that the ability to grow cartilage is still with this new molecule, but this molecule has a reduced potential to grow bone that would be a great option to treat osteoarthritis. And we, Merck, collaborated with the company, Biofarm, which was very experienced in modifying growth factors at that time. And they produced different variations of GDF5, which had been tested, carefully compared concerning efficacy at Merck. And so R399E came out of this comparison as most promising molecule. And so we at Merck took that up and tested
0: it very carefully in a variety of different assays. So just if I could make sure I understand where you're going with this. So initially this, this enzyme, this product, which has been around for quite some time, was successful not just in regrowing cartilage, but in regrowing bone. So in that circumstance, the last thing you want is, is you try to rehabilitate the joint in order to create more osteophytes or bone growth, that's not healthy. So Merck then collaborated with BioPharm to change the attributes of that growth factor so that it no longer produced bone, but just focused on producing cartilage. Is that correct? That was a starting point. Absolutely correct. And how did that progress? And how long has that drug been around? Tell us a little about the history of that drug, if you could. And where is it now?
1: R399E has been first time developed by the company Biofarm in 2013. And then it has been tested very carefully in a variety of assays at Merck until 2019. That was a year when Merck decided to exit the of osteoarthritis. And so it is today
0: ready to be tested in human patients with osteoarthritis. Question, why would Merck, I know you can't tell us any business secrets, but why would a company get out of the business if they had a drug which was potentially viable. And interestingly, you know, R399E is one of the three drugs which is on the sidelines. The other two are still being taken forward by other companies. So um,
1: if you work in the pharmaceutical industry in general, there are many occasions where companies have to take strategic decisions. And uh, the background here for Merck specifically was that Merck and wanted to focus their efforts on drugs which have a promise in multiple sclerosis. And in order to be able to perform phase three clinical trials carefully in these huge indications, Matt decided to step out of another indication, osteoarthritis in that instance, which is also very complicated phase three trials to be developed.
0: So they're betting on horses. They can only bet on so many horses. And so they have to take some bets off in order to, to fund other bets. I think that makes sense. I think you know people are like, okay, well, if it's so great, why didn't Merck take it forward? But that's not necessarily a good way to look at it. So tell us a little more about what this drug can do. You talked about the fact that it reduces OA pain, again, in tests in, in animals, and that it can also rebalance the buildup and degeneration processes for cartilage. If you could drill down a little more, Martin, please, on how it works and the promise of that first tell you a little bit
1: about one important assay system that we have used at Merck. Namely, we used tissues, uh, cartilage and other tissues, which were coming from OA patients. So this is very advanced material in the disease of osteoarthritis. And we could demonstrate that using this diseased tissue, R399E was able to increase the number of chondrocytes, for example. So, to grow cartilage at the end, and at the same time, in this material, also to inhibit release of enzymes which degrade cartilage. In other words, already, these two aspects lead to the conclusion that R399E is doing several things in parallel. And the really surprising result to which we came at Merck was that R399E also inhibits the release of pain mediators. So based on this kind of in vitro investigation, we took it into in vivo investigations in rabbits as a first model. How can you measure pain in animals? This is an important question and hard to be answered. So we developed at Merck a new method to measure pain in rabbits. In these rabbits, OA was initiated in the right knee joint, but not in the left. And animals behave quite comparable to human patients which have one osteoarthritis-affected knee joint, namely the animals put less weight on the knee where osteoarthritis is developing in comparison to the other knee. And this can be measured objectively. And so we have introduced this kind of a method. The very significant impact of R399E in vivo on this weight-bearing behavior indicates for us very reliably that R399E, after being injected into knee joints, reduces the pain. Therefore, the promise based on these in vitro and in vivo data is at least twofold, and for me fulfilling the prerequisites for a disease-modifying osteoarthritis drug, namely R399E holds the promise to inhibit pain chronically, and at the same time, it is rebalancing, build-up, and degrading processes in the knee joint with the
0: promise to improve the structural situation in knee joints. Just for our listeners, because this would always confuse me, in vitro is in the lab, and in vivo is in the body. That's so far, right. it's been tested in vivo in the body of animals, in vitro in the lab with human material. Correct. That's right. Okay. How positive do you feel about the potential for R three nine nine E to work in human patients in vivo in the body? This is really an important
1: question. And always, there is an inherent risk that animal data do not or in vitro data out of the lab and in vivo data out of animals do not translate into efficacy in human patients. However, I would say based on the quality on assay data that have been sampled, the likelihood from my perspective that R399E will work in humans is quite high. As I told you, we have in vitro in the lab used human material from patients which had a far advanced disease, and R399E was able, in the lab, apply to this very diseased tissue to generate very significant effects, as pointed out. And in addition, this kind of objective measurement of pain in animals that we have used is another point where I would say the quality of these data are quite promising and high.
0: So- Let's turn to administration of this drug. My understanding is that it is an injectable and that would be done by a professional clinician. Is that the way that you administer R399E? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, based on our data that we have gathered in the lab, we would see an injection frequency of every two to three months as reasonable. So that means that would then come to four to six injections Per year for a patient, I told you before that what we saw in animals indicates that the pain gets better already briefly after the first injection, but these injections have to be repeated because after some time we do not know exactly when, but it's reasonable to assume between between two and three months it's getting worse again. In addition, in order to keep the degradating processes down and the build-up processes up. Chronically, injections have to be repeated. So again, four to six injections per year appear reasonable.
0: And you would anticipate that to be an ongoing thing? You're not going to do it for three or four years and it will be resolved. It will be something you would have to take for life? Probably,
1: yes. Because one of the ambitions with the treatment, as I pointed out, is that we want to postpone the need for joint replacement surgery. And by rebuilding the balance between degradating and build up processes in the joint, one of the aspects that our 399E is able to fulfill, we think this kind of a postponement is reasonable to be assumed. But this, then, the patient, for example, at the age of 60 has to start with the treatment and life expectancy is 85, for example, then yes, for this probably will be then a lifelong treatment.
0: In terms of path from here to the finish line. Maybe you could tell us where you are right now at Biofarm in terms of you know, what are you doing with R399E? Where are you in terms of clinical trials? Are there clinical trials in humans going on right now? Maybe you could tell us the path forward. Biofarm received back all the
1: rights for R399E when Merck decided strategically to quit osteoarthritis. However, Biofarm is a very small company and doesn't have itself the ability to start clinical development. However, based on the data package they received, they are very eager to start clinical development. And from the preclinical aspect, everything that has to be done in order to start clinical development is there in terms of data. What is missing is now a partner for BioPharm with experience in the field of osteoarthritis or an investor who is able to take the risk in order to finance the first uh, clinical trials, uh, so-called proof of concept. It is so important in these first clinical trials to see that, yes, R399E not only works in animals, it does work in humans. Biofarm has prepared the outline of these clinical trials. It could be started more or less immediately once an interested partner is found.
0: And so let's say that that interested partner comes forward tomorrow. A truck comes back, backs up to your loading dock with a wheelbarrow fulls of money in order to get the clinical trial moving. What's the timeline from today through clinical trials to market if everything goes well for r All
1: All right. And so if we would start tomorrow... Then what has to be done first is to produce a material which is able to be used in a clinical trial and then conduct the two clinical trials that we, together with BioPharm, have outlined. So this first step, so to say, to get from today to the result of the first two clinical trials, this will approximately take three years. And in an optimistic scenario, uh, when the signal, in particular on pain, is very clear, in this first clinical trial, then there is a fair chance for an accelerated further clinical development that would then need approximately another three years to approval. Altogether, in an optimistic scenario, six years from now, R399E could become available.
0: Perfect. I mean, that's it, R399E. We're excited to hear more about new treatments that are out there, or perhaps treatments that are already promising, which are just waiting for add water and stir in terms of being ready to go into clinical trials, because the path forward for a cure for osteoarthritis is going to take new innovations, as well as existing innovations, which are sitting on the sidelines and can be warmed up. Martin, I'll ask you, as I've been asking our other guests since Nitro was announced, what's your take on the Nitro program? I'm sure you've heard about the U.S. federal government's moonshot to cure osteoarthritis in five years. And does R399E have any role in nitro?
1: So, yes, I'm aware of nitro, and I'm excited that the U.S. government is investing so much money now into this kind of a very ambitious program. And I'm curious to see how many companies will apply in that context. So definitely, and this is one of the, let's say, important aspects for the field osteoarthritis in general, the existence of the NITRO program will increase the awareness of the medical need in osteoarthritis tremendously. And this is so important. As far as I know, NITRO is really asking for programs which are at the very beginning. So first part of NITRO includes the generation of new molecules for the treatment of osteoarthritis, for example this is the reason why R399E is not really applicable for that program because that molecule has already been generated and data preclinically is already on the table. Nevertheless, I'm really excited about Nitro and will definitely follow up. And probably this kind of additional awareness for the indication will also enhance the chance
0: for Biofarm to find a partner for R399E. Well, Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving us some insight on R399E. There is a full transcript of the conversation, which we've excerpted from today, and that will be available on the website for folks that want to read more about the details on R399E. With that, Martin, thank you so much for your time. I'd like to say thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you'd like to make a contribution to support the emerging osteoarthritis cures, you can do that on our website, angryarthritis.org. Just click the donate button. Angry at Arthritis is your platform to take action to end this disease. You don't have to be a Rockefeller. A $5 contribution here or there certainly adds up. Let's not get angry at arthritis. Let's get even.